This is an ABC podcast. If there's one hashtag that sums up 2020, it would have to be hashtag what a shit show. (laughs) I'm Lisa Leong and none of us, including me, have been immune from the stresses the pandemic has chucked at us, especially at work. But on This Working Life, our challenge is to find the sunshine at work. So today we're catching up with some of our guests from 2020, our esteemed TWL alumni, to hear their hard-earned lessons from the shit show. So let's get this reunion started. I love reunions. My name's Deirdre Dowling. I'm a classical musician. I play the viola and at the moment I'm in Angoulême in France, but I actually live in Paris, France. Deirdre, we spoke to you in May about the loss of identity and self-worth when jobs evaporate, so sort of early days, and here we are at the end of the year. On reflection, performers were and still are amongst the hardest hit by the pandemic, so it was a really tough year for you. What has been your biggest lesson of 2020 when it comes to work, Deirdre? There are so many of them, but for the most affecting one for me has been realising that what I do is actually important. <laughs> I think I always had this, and I didn't realise I had it, but I, when the pandemic started and there was all the talk of, of course, essential workers, realising that the arts didn't fit into that in terms of what society calls essential and that perhaps even in my own head I thought of what I do as a kind of luxury thing and, you know, really am I making a difference? Am I doing anything that's actually worthwhile? I love doing it but what what's the knock-on effect? Is there actually one? And, you know, you see doctors and nurses doing all these amazing things and so many other essential workers think, oh, is it really worth something what I'm doing? But then I was talking actually only a few weeks ago with a colleague of mine who's a violinist in Paris, and she was telling me that one of her neighbours is a nurse and in the first wave of COVID, so back in March, April, this woman was working incredible shifts, 14, 15-hour shifts, uh, there were so many sick doctors and nurses that you just you had no choice. You just had to keep working. Back then, proper PPE wasn't available. She was wearing the same mask all day. She had the facial bruises, lo- lots of things. It was a really, really difficult time. And she said to my violinist friend only recently that the only thing that got her through was when she got home at night, she would play Mozart symphonies on her stereo. And it was the only thing that made her feel that there was point in going on because there was no other beauty in the world for her. Everything was just hell in the hospitals. And there was nothing else that could express her feeling about humanity and all that we are and all there was was music. And for her it was classical music, And but I would extend that out to all forms of the arts. And she said, well, if we can't, have that? What are we living for? We're not just trying to survive as a species. We're here to create and to enjoy. And what's an important or surprising thing you've learned about yourself due to the pandemic, Deidre? Oh, that's, yeah. I've learned that I have a real limit for reframing things. <laughs> Say more? <laughs> that, uh, that some of the things that I experienced, and I think many people experienced this year on many different levels, work and life and the combination of the two and so many and other things besides, were just really difficult. And 
there's not actually that much reframing to do. And perhaps you're also dishonouring the situation and yourself by constantly trying to reframe things in a positive light and that to have this um, equanimity going through that so that you can allow things to be great or terrible but if you've got some if you've got basic equanimity that keeps keeps you on a certain level all the way through that that maybe that's a way to actually be okay and that doesn't have to be cold or detached but just a constant through it all and then it's okay um what do you wish you'd known going into 2020 I think it's certainly at the beginning of where everything kicked off, March, April, May, this this time. I think I really needed someone or felt like I needed someone just to sit me down and grab me by the shoulders and say it's and look me in the eye and say it's all gonna be all right. It's all gonna be okay. It's gonna be hard, but it's gonna be okay. Every time you say something, I feel very teary. <laughs> it might be because because here it's 20 to 10 at night and, you know, I'm in the countryside. I've had a glass of wine. I am sitting by an Argus stove with a cat on my lap. So I don't know, maybe the combination makes everything more poetic. Ah, thanks, Deirdre. My pleasure. Hi, my name's Dr Kirsten Ferguson. I'm a company director and author and I live on the Sunshine Coast. What is your biggest lesson from the pandemic about work, Kirsten? Well, I reckon that we have found we're much more adaptable than perhaps we've ever given ourselves credit for. I mean, we've found ways to meet effectively from anywhere in the world. We've somehow found ways for courts to still make judgments and we've found ways for restaurants to trade without even having diners in there. We've found ways for school students to learn without entering school gates. Gosh, we have sporting matches without crowds. We even have governments that are meeting without MPs even leaving their homes. And I reckon that that means leaders, which we all are in our own ways, but we've really got to give credit to the people that we lead, that with the right resources, the right support and encouragement, we can actually find ways to work that suit our individual and, of course, whoever you work for, their needs. And I just don't think that that means that our products or our services or our performances or our anything that we're doing is any less than before. It's just different and it'll continue to grow. And so I really hope that we harness what we've learned and those skills of adaptability for the future. What else have you learned about leadership then? Oh, I think that we're all pretty resilient <laughs> and resilience means um, not looking to go back to exactly where we were before. I think resilience isn't about this bouncing back. And I hear lots of people saying, when will we be just like it was pre-COVID? Um, we're never going to be how it was pre-COVID. But resilience is about acknowledging that we've all been transformed by this crisis, whether it's us individually or the companies that we work for. And then using this opportunity, and in some ways it's been a gift for some, to not only change the way we do things, but to thrive. And that's a lot of having an optimistic attitude as well. We can't control the fact that COVID has happened. It has happened, but we can control how we choose to think about the future. And I think that's got to be critical for leaders to help inspire and motivate the people that they're leading 
on the other side. Kirsten, you moved to the Sunshine Coast in January this year, so the global shift to working remotely couldn't have come at a better time for you. I mean, it never ceases to amaze me that I'll be in a board meeting and it happened this morning. I'm then uh, running out onto the street collecting a parcel in my bare feet and then back into a different meeting. And that's just how we combine work and life. And, um, you know, I'm like everyone else in that respect and I love it. That's brilliant. Congratulations. (laughs) Thanks very much. G'day, I'm Oscar Trimboli and I'm on a quest to create 100 million deep listeners in the world. And Oscar, you joined us in April with your episode, Unlocking the Key to Deep Listening at Work, which I found very enlightening and certainly had to make sure that I was extra, extra listening to you. (laughs) But looking back, what do you wish you'd known going into 2020 about work that you now know? Two things that really stand out for me. Number one, Video creates intimacy on a scale you could never imagine. Number two, how to listen to emotions in a group via a video conference. These are two things I've discovered how to do, and I wish I knew how to do that in 2019. So I'm very grateful for 2020 for teaching me those things. Are you going to share your secrets? So tell us, how do you, is there a hot tip for how do you create intimacy? I think most people think of all the downsides of what 2020 has brought. And the upside for me is zooming into people's homes, zooming into their bookshelf, zooming in to have a conversation with their kids, opportunities I would never have had in because people aren't going to invite you into their home in business. You might have to work with them be in, a, in 10 years of a working relationship before they do that. But zooming into their home, they can show you artwork, they can show you the bookshelf, they can show you all kinds of things that are really intimate about them. And it just accelerates the relationship because they get to do the same thing with you. So for me, I, I remember a conversation where uh, a doctor I was interviewing, her son, Charlie, six years old, brought in a cup of coffee for her during during the interview and that and that started a whole conversation about the coffee machine and Charlie (laughs) Charlie's an expert in making lattes only in the third day and then Charlie we jumped into the conversation and the connection that created for the rest of the time on the video and since then has been all that's lovely and what's one important or perhaps surprising thing that you've learned about yourself due to the pandemic Oscar I think the most surprising thing I've learned is I am very rigid. I'm a marathon runner and if I've got a program, I'll just follow it. And if I'm an ocean swimmer, I'll just follow the program. So th- those things for me play out in my work life as well. I'm on a quest to go 100 million deep listeners in the world. So I've got a plan for that. Now, all those plans all got blown up, right? So what I learned is I probably am a heck of a lot more flexible than I gave myself credit for. And constraints have helped me to uh, realise that. So that's the thing I've learned about myself. Thank you so much, Oscar. Thanks for listening. I'm Lisa Leong, and today on This Working Life, our guests from 2020 share their greatest lessons from the pandemic. And one of my biggest lessons? To focus on what's important by asking myself, 
what is truly essential for me moving forward and what can I actually let go of? And as a facilitator, I've learned that video calls can give people a voice who otherwise might not be heard face-to-face. Hi, this is Kaylee Chu. I'm an author, TEDx speaker, and the founder at 100lunches.com. Kaylee, you know, the last time we spoke to you was February of this year, and we spoke about your personal experiment to overcome your shyness and connect over lunch with a hundred strangers, and you totally aced that. Kaylee, how many are you up to now at the end of the year? 280. <laughs> and you obviously had to move that online. Yes. Um, so since the COVID started, I had virtual lunches with people over Zoom, um, but now I'm having lunch with strangers face-to-face again. So what is your biggest lesson relating to your work and career of 2020? I think my biggest lesson is that um, my network is more important than ever, in particular in such a challenging year, because I had so much struggle over the year in terms of my career and my personal life. And so I'm so thankful that I took the last couple of years to build my network and my life's much, much, much easier because of that. (laughs) Can you give me an example then of a moment of truth when your network came to the fore during COVID time? I quit my job last year and became a full-time public speaker because I got good amounts of, um, you know, speaking gigs coming in. But because of the COVID, 100%, like literally all my speaking gigs got cancelled and all my income stopped. And I was really, really worried at that time. I go, what am I going to do? Like I lost my job and my career, which I thought was doing great completely stopped. And then I, I didn't even qualify for any government funding or anything because my business was brand new and I didn't have a track record. And I was really stressful at that time. But thankfully for my network, I now built a new business, my new technology startup, which I had completely zero idea before, but because of people that I had lunches with and they guide me through the process, show me what I should do, what I should read and who should I connect to. And now I've got another new business, which is 100lunches.com. And I'm so thankful for my network. Give me one important or perhaps surprising thing that you've learned about yourself, Kaylee, due to the pandemic. (laughs) Um, I think I've learned that I am more capable than I thought, because I think I really had that moment when I almost collapsed, like I really, really stressed because of no income and seeing my bank account going down and don't know what to do and stuck at home. I've got two young kids as well that I need to do homeschooling. I had, you know, I, I struggle like in all areas. <laughs> um, but then I don't know, I, I, you know, that's quote saying that you don't know how strong you are until being strong is the only option. And I just kept going. And then I realized, oh, I can actually do better than I thought. And I, that surprised myself. <laughs> Thanks, Kaylee. And all the best for 2021. Thank you so much. You too. My name's Jennifer Pacilieri. I'm the author of Couples That Work and a professor of organizational behavior at INSEAD Business School in Paris. Jennifer, we spoke to you earlier this year about your research around couples navigating their career ambitions. What has the pandemic taught you about relationships? If I hone in on the top two or three, the first is the importance of boundaries. You know, when I wrote my book, I talked about boundaries and even my publisher was like, oh, I'm not sure about that. But what we've really learned in the pandemic is 
it's the thing that keeps us sane, right? It's the thing that keeps couples together. It's the thing that keeps families together. It's having clarity on who's working when and where and what are the boundaries between home and work. And the couples who negotiated those and had quite strong boundaries and stuck to them were couples who who managed okay. Now, of course, no one managed perfectly, right? <laughs> Everyone had struggles. But they were the couples who could work through, through the struggles. So the first thing is very much that question of boundaries. And was there any other top thing you learnt about marrying love and ambition through COVID times? One really important one is the importance of time alone and time apart. Mm. And this is really important both for work and our relationships. So if we think about work, we all need that headspace time just to give some reflection to things, to really think through either problems we're having, creative solutions we might want to do, that thinking time for innovation. And that's really hard when we're all under one roof 24-7. And so structuring in that kind of alone time, that thinking time for work is really important. But also in our couples, and what's really interesting is this connection between desire and closeness. Mm -hmm. So when we think about desire Um, Of course, desire makes us want to be close to someone, but desire rarely comes from being close to someone. You know, if you're with someone in your pajamas all day, (laughs) it's very unlikely to spark desire. (laughs) You haven't seen my pajamas. Well, well, maybe for you and not for me, dear. (laughs) And so what's happened when we're under the roof 24-7 is we see each other all the time. And it can feel familiar. It can even feel cozy for some of us. But it's not really sparking that kind of chemistry in the relationship. And so that engineering that time apart and that time alone is just vital, both for our sanity in our job, but also for our relationship. And it sounds a bit counterintuitive, doesn't it? We need to be apart so we can sort of be more fiery together. But that's what what I've really learned. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Thanks for having me, Lisa. My name is Nir Eyal, and I'm the author of Indistractable, How to Control Your Attention and Choose Your Life. And we had such a good chat when you joined us in July for the episode, Taking Control of Technology to Become Indistractable. It's so great to check in with you again, Nir. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. Great to be back. So you've lived through this pandemic in Singapore. I'd love to know what's been your biggest work-related lesson from 2020, Nir? The biggest work-related lesson is that uh, distraction can follow us wherever we go. <laughs> because <laughs> I like it. you know, I heard from many people who's uh, when we first started working from home about how oh, finally I can go home and I won't be bothered by my colleagues and boss constantly tapping in me on the shoulder saying, "Oh, you've got to come into this meeting," or "Can you just uh, tell me this one uh, fact and figure real quick?" or "Can I just get your uh, thought on this real quick?" or "Have you heard the latest bit of?" office gossip real quick. And uh, now we've found that, in fact, our distractions can follow us home because we have requests to go on Zoom meetings and more emails and Slack channels. Uh, So that's been an unfortunate side effect. But the good news is I think we can actually get those distractions under control as well. So does that mean, Nia, that your work has actually been even more relevant? 
I, I think so. I think that the world has become an increasingly distracted place uh, that the pandemic has only accelerated, I think, the ability uh, for companies to reach out to us and distract us. And I think it's also increased our desire for distraction. We know that the number one source of distraction is not just the beeps and boops in our outside environment, but rather it's what we call these internal triggers, these uncomfortable emotional states that we seek to escape from. So with the events of 2020, causing more anxiety, more uncertainty, more stress in the world, I think uh, what's happened is that more people are searching for escape from that discomfort with one distraction or another. So what's the main lesson you're going to take from 2020 and run with in 2021? You know, with every crisis, there are also all kinds of opportunities. And I think we will see sort of a, a peace dividend that comes from all the technological innovation. So I think the big lesson for me is that even when times are really dark, there is always hope. And I think we are seeing that today with the medical breakthroughs that we've seen that will have dividends far beyond COVID. You know, we, we know that the a lot of the science that went into this COVID vaccine may have implications for ridding all kinds of other diseases. Uh, you know, there, there's advances with AI and protein folding we just heard about a couple of days ago. All these amazing inventions that uh, and innovations that we're seeing were spurred on in part by this crisis. And so I think I, I'm pretty optimistic, even though I must say it was very hard to be optimistic earlier in the year. Look, I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. I have had moments this year where I've really doubted myself and doubted that we were going to get through, but got to be honest. And that's probably my key learning is out of all of this year is that as a leader, you have to be honest about where you're at and how you're feeling. And that reassures people. Our final guest, Kath Blackham, is also a card-carrying optimist. Kath is founder and CEO of voice and digital agency Versa. Her entrepreneurial and leadership skills were celebrated this year when she won a swag of high-profile industry awards, but it's still been a tough year. You know, I remember sitting with the team in probably May and saying, look, things are good, but we can't see beyond kind of July and I'm worried and... You know, we took pay cuts across the the team and that was a really hard thing to stand in front of everybody and let them know. I actually think I, I might have, which um, I haven't told anybody this, but I actually shed a tear over that. I really felt terrible that I had to do it, but you do these things to protect the whole team and I believed that I was doing the right thing, but it was it was hard. Uh, Kath, is there one surprising thing that you've learned about yourself in this year? Um, yeah, there is actually. I, throughout this period, was under a reasonable amount of pressure to put profit first, put people second. You know, one of the things that we started talking about, you and I together, was the four-day week. Mm. And there was a lot of pressure on me to kind of abandon that, if you like. You know, a lot of people said, well, you won't you won't obviously be doing that, will you, going forward? And so what I actually discovered about myself is I'm, I'm pretty good at sticking at what I believe and that that is actually the most important thing to me. So the business almost is secondary to 
the the purpose that I've got and why I'm doing what I'm doing, why I'm running the business. And that is that whole kind of protecting people's mental health. And I, I wasn't prepared to abandon that. And in terms of leadership, what is the number one lesson that you would take away from this year? Oh, easy. Don't get too far ahead of yourself. So I think I came into this year, I just opened up, we opened up our US office on uh, March the 6th. I mean, I can't even believe I did that. Um, (laughs) And actually, we just recently opened our Mumbai office. Uh, I'm still trying to work out why I've done that. But I think I was almost projecting a year ahead. So I was like, oh, this is going to be the most amazing year. We've done all the hard work in 2019. This is going to be incredible. And I I think you just have to focus on what's immediately ahead and not kind of get too far ahead of yourself because that's what I've learned this year is when you don't know what's happening month to month, you just focus on the next few weeks and getting through the next few weeks. And that's actually been a really good experience for me. And so glad to hear that the year sort of panned out better than uh, what you thought. And in fact, you know, some really amazing wins and some beautiful accolades and well-deserved, Kath. (laughs) Thank you so much. Kath Blackham, and you can hear Kath's interview about why she implemented a four-day week in our Best Of series, which launches next week for the holiday season. And you can catch the original interviews with all of the guests featured today. Just have a little scroll back through our podcast feed. And I'd just like to take a second on behalf of the TWL team to say thanks to you, our loyal tribe of listeners this year. We received a lot of lovely feedback from you telling our programs have helped you navigate the shitstorm that was 2020. And that makes us very, very happy. And if you haven't already, please leave a review and share it with your mates because we want to spread the word to help others find their sunshine at work. Thanks to producer Maria Tickle, who manages to find the humanity and humour in everything, even in a pandemic. Happy holidays, Maria. May your magic replenish during the break, and I really hope you don't miss me too much. I guess you can always listen to our back catalogue lying on the beach in Byron. I'm Lisa Leong, and until next time, keep working. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.